Hey, Tyler. Hey, Jay. Oh, I hear the faint, the faint thumb. <laughs> that was the most millennial thing. Yeah, yeah everybody's tapping away. Hey, uh, we, sorry, we have uh, friends. No, you don't. Jimmy. Lives. Jimmy, I was actually texting my wife, and yeah. she's just upstairs. <laughs> I was actually texting my sister. So. All right, we are here again are with uh, yeah. Mr. Yeah. Jimmy Bruce and Mr. Uh, Robert B. Dylan. In the dining How room. have we done this? The dining room. came back again this room. week. Yeah. Uh, it's a very fancy studio, uh, dining room, with. Uh, with plants, Obama, and yeah, oh yeah, all kinds of stuff. So I have Desmond a question. Howard, I have a question for for the room. What is the one thing that if you went, let's say, if you went back a hundred years from now, what is the one non-electronic uh, or uh, what's the one invention that you could put into the past that would have had the greatest impact? And I think the the reason why I was saying non-electronic was like a cell phone. A cell phone doesn't work without a cell network or things like that. So right. you can't just say the internet. Like, what is what is something that I mean? I guess you could say cell phone, but a cell phone that doesn't work that you're just showing people pictures for sixty minutes until your battery burns out could be the thing. Sixty minutes. Yeah, the iPhone three because mine lasts. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I realized that. I knew you were gonna say something. Too. <laughs> I'll, I'll nerd out and say, because if you go back a hundred years ago, I don't think these, these if these exist, they're brand new, um, but the bike, Ooh. the bike that I have in my garage right now would have been revolutionary technology to them. Like a 10-speed bike? Or yeah. Like, okay. Um, with the, the ease of the gear shifting. And it's not like a wild technological oh, yeah. advancement. No, no. But A, human beings become the most efficient. It's definitely, it's definitely achievable with the technology of the 1920s. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, with Wright Brothers technology. Uh, the human beings actually become, Bill Nye the science guy told me this, the most efficient moving animal on the planet when we're on a bicycle. That we are the least efficient when we're on legs. That guy's in love with bikes. We are the most efficient when we're on bicycles. Yeah. So if you could take today's bike technology back there, hmm. I think it would actually have an impact on yeah, like daily life. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I think, I don't know, I'd have to look at my bike history, but I think they were still on the penny farthing, the thing with yeah. the big wheel yeah. and the, yeah. yeah. Now, 1920 was, I mean, that, so the Wright brothers were bike makers. Yeah. I wonder if they were dealt exclusively in the brother because I think it's 1917 is Kitty Hawk. I don't know. So they, they had been bike makers before. I'm not a history teacher. I was going to say, she asked a history teacher or something. History Tyler's teacher. Also, I would take, you know, women's voting, women's suffrage. That's true. Yeah. But they had just gotten it by that point. I guess that's true. When did they get 20? Done. Technology? I think technology is a funny question and I yeah. am going to answer it not seriously because it's more fun. Oh, um, I had it not seriously. Let me go not seriously first. Okay, great. Okay, a Tribe Called Quest. What? The music of a Tribe Called Quest. <laughs> They're going to stone even better, you as a witch. The music of Weird Al Yankovic because it's all pre any of those songs coming out. They think he's the original. Yeah, they're like, wow, <laughs> Yoda is an amazing song. Listen to this parody of Yoda that yeah. came out 70 years later. Yeah. Man, that's it. I, yeah. That mess with people. Yeah, I can't believe this Michael his whole, Jackson guy is, his whole is, is copying on yeah. fat. His whole catalog. <laughs> I'm bad. Yeah, he must be ashamed. Bad. There's yeah. nothing that could bring Michael Jackson more shame than having copied Michael or Weird Al Yankovic. Oh. <laughs> Poor form. That was the best. Face. <laughs> I would say, um, since Jay nerded out with something he's passionate about, I'm going to nerd out with something I'm passionate about. And I would bring back 
um, a disc, as in not like a disc golf, but as in a frisbee to oh. play ultimate frisbee with. Yeah. Um, and I think, and this sounds wild, they but had I, the pie tins by then, though. That's they had pie tins, and they had things, but not just the actual. And so I'm cheating here, but not just the actual disc, um, but. The, the rules of the game. The game. Oh, no, that's and fine. The idea of the I game. brought the whole catalog of Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> and the idea of the game, I think, I still believe it's one of the best sports in the world. Um, it's one of the cheapest sports in the world. And I believe pretty strongly that had it had an earlier foundation, that it would now be in the Olympics. Um, oh, it could yeah. possibly be a uh, more legitimate professional sport um, and things of that nature. And I love, I love all Did I so. make this up? Are they trying to get it into the Olympics? Every year they're trying yeah. to get yeah. it into. And the last thing I heard was there's a likelihood, a potential likelihood of 2028, but they're talking beach ultimate. Beach ultimate. Wow. I'm not happy about it because no. I feel like people will watch it and be like, oh, that's so fun. They're throwing a frisbee around the beach. It's like, oh. no, no, this game is way more serious than that. Yeah, right. Um, it's like, like it's like a beach volleyball with the Olympics, but court volleyball wasn't. Beach volleyball is awesome. Yeah. Beach ultimate's awesome. Yeah. Right. But it's, it's not. A different thing. It's not yeah, the sports. Right. Sorry, you found out what I'm passionate about. I love it. Well, Jay went serious first, so that I went serious, and I was trying to. I guess maybe biking into too serious, but I think you took it serious. No, I'm sorry. It is serious. It's not serious. <laughs> say what you, speak your truth. You went serious, speak truth, and then I was like, "What you, what's serious?" Need what, to say. I, I immediately wanted to win the conversation and be like, "What? What would be the best answer? It would be the best technology?" It's weird, I can't make. So we've already established that. It's the internet, but you said I couldn't do that. Yep. Um, and then you guys went funny and passionate. I was like, "Ooh, I need to be the funniest and most passionate," and I couldn't think of any of those either. Uh, I would bring back. <laughs> Sexy? Would you bring sexy back? Bring <laughs> sexy back. I'd bring sexy back. Yeah. All right. Well, you don't have anything. Is the answer? Yeah. Is. No. Okay. Okay. Sometimes I I can't think quickly like you can. I know. I know. We're saying no internet because it's a cheap answer, but really, but it is it, the answer. It is the, the answer. answer. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait. Which would be bigger, the internet or just like? Well, I mean, the answer is the internet. Yeah. So yeah. I think television would be a huge one. I was gonna say shooting on like digital. Yeah. Like digital media. The capability of a phone. Even if you took the internet off the phone, like the the actual like searching the internet, like you could put streaming and stuff. All of the non uh, web surfing capabilities of the phone, that alone, yeah, would probably more, be more impressive than the internet. I got it. Knowledge. So. That's yeah. that's a little more realistic. Just like modern day camera technology. Ooh, yeah. So then, like, we could be looking at pictures from 1920 and on at like pristine quality. Yeah. And the ability to make them pristine. And what would that do to the change of civilization? Like what, think of it, like yours well, would probably change, the, the bike thing would probably change it more than any of us really realize. Yeah, yes, because it's subtle. With technology and, and the internet and, and, and TV and things of that nature, when we think about the Vietnam War, the Vietnam War was, was, was ended because of the press. Yeah. We have so to what would it be like so to have not... What would it have been like in World War One and World War Two if yeah. there were legitimate cameras, as Jim said, well, for or the man. internet? Yeah. It would have changed I mean, everything. Those were coming back. Those reports were coming and seeing and how especially it was. So if we're going to 1920, that's just at the end of World War II. Yeah. World War, or World War I. But, but you would see high-def, crystal clear images of the aftermath. Mm -hmm. And that would probably do a lot to impact whether or not people are willing to do that again. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Because you're not just hearing writing about it. You're going to see Correct. the devastation. Yeah. And you'll see the devastation in all the places, including Germany. So yeah. then what does that do for Germany? What does that do? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, us. Yeah. The, yeah. another good uh, one would be like, what's what's what can we do for sustainability in 1920? You know, oh, solar man. power or wind power? What, what are we? Oh, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, where, would, where could we be with the environment now? Right. If, if we, the, the technology we brought back was just the knowledge of the direction we were going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mr. Henry yeah, Ford, I'd like to tell you a few things about what you're setting oh, yeah. us up for. Yeah. I was going to say right. electric cars. Electric I mean, like, or, you know. If the first car was electric. Right. Yeah. yeah. Boogie, woogie. How would that change things? And, and mm -hmm. the idea of solar panel and the idea of those I mean, things. We saw because Watchmen. right right now we are, we are, we're responding yeah. Yeah, yeah, to all yeah. of those bad technologies with more sustainable. But what if the first thing we did was sustainable? So then, so then we, but I mean, then the industry changes. I mean, if we're not, if we're not mining coal, D does the um, does the industrial revolution happen the same way? Do those jobs happen, maybe positive or negative? I don't know. I mean, West Virginia is a different state now because of their mines. Yeah. And for a while, it was positive. They were making well. a lot of money. Right. Um, but there's also a couple of individuals who made way more money than they should. So what does that do to the Middle East? Yeah. If they because they don't get power until the latter half of the 20th century, when oil becomes, they're able to uh, harvest it better and refine it better. Yeah. If that never happens. Does the the Middle East never really gets any power? Do, like, what are they? Not, a, I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure they're better. But it's also there's there's less uh, regimes and fought, fighting over that. Land. I say, I think there'd be less conflict. There'd be less conflict. Would the people be better off because we'd be less invested in it? Yeah. Would it be like the Amazon? Well, the correct answer is to take the Terminator back. And yeah. Kill John Connor. Before. Well, if he killed John Connor, then yeah. I would be back. Well, I'm Jay, and I'm Tyler. And I'm Jimmy. I'm still Rob. It is it's Robbing the Pastor. travel and so I'm going to bed because um, I routinely go to bed at 8.30 and it's 9.30 and that's just untenable to me. You routinely go to bed at 8.30? Do you put your kids down and then go? 100%. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, yeah, it, it, when, it actually makes sense. Yeah. There have been so many conversations where we put the twins down and Sarah and I look at each other and go, there's nothing left to accomplish nice. There's nothing left to accomplish. Nice. Four? Let's four? just... They're four. Yeah, there is nothing. Yeah, no, getting them we're to done. sleep yeah, is, is the accomplishment. That was it. Yep. Yeah. I will see you at five in the morning when they wake up. But for now, let's just go to bed. So that's fair. Yeah. So, so, so I'm going to turn it over to you guys. Yeah, beautiful you... Jay is is uh, relinquishing um, the show, but we have a unique opportunity, so we're going to still talk a little bit. We will miss Jay and mm. his his beautifulness. Oh. Um, so thank you. Thank you. I'll be shirtless, just like floors away. <laughs> if you guys need to come by and say hi. Oh, one yeah. room away. Yeah, great. Like, so keep it down, you, would you? Talking to seminary professors. Yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, we are going to talk about uh, a really important thing that um, is a really important thing. That thing is? White supremacy. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> this is requiring Wait, me. Tell us what you do first, because I don't think we talked about that last time. Great. Um, I'm Rob Bradford, Dean of Student Life and Diversity at uh, Billings Middle School here in Seattle, the independent school in the NWAIS, National Association of Independent Schools. Is that different and, um, than a private school, or is that this is an honest question? Is that different than a private school, or just a better way to call it private school? 
Yes and no. Um, it is a private school. Okay. I mean, that is the way to, to call it. The, the different nuance of being an independent school is that we are a nonprofit school. Most most private schools now are nonprofit, okay. um, which means we have a board um, and there are rules to be in a nonprofit yep. organization. Yep. Um, if you are a for-profit a private school, you cannot be a member of the National Association of Independent Schools. Okay. Um, Okay. But for, Sorry, continue. Yeah, I, I, I just um, yeah. so Dean of Student Life and Diversity. Um, I work with middle schoolers. We're a six through eight middle school only. Um, it's pretty awesome. Nice. Jimmy, Jimmy got to visit it. It was truly awesome. Oh, There's a bunch cool. of cool things in there that I was not expecting. My very son cool. Tay goes to the school and my daughter Jaden goes to the school. And you're, so it's a new building this year, yeah? We're in a brand new building Helps, up in uh, Northgate. Uh, like designed by this lady, right? Or she helped move? Uh, yeah, my wife Sharon was the transition coordinator. And so nice. she... Uh, had a good time or a not so good time uh, moving the building. Um, it was hard. It was a lot of work yeah. um, getting us from. Um, we took possession of the building August fifteenth, okay. I think, and we started school September sixth or seventh. I like it. took possession. Just that's a great phrase. It sounds yeah. a lot more like. Well, because we had signed the deal, we had done all that, but the contract was that we didn't take possession of it. And so I mean, yeah. I'm saying we got it ready in two I understand weeks it. To it just sounds school. like you like came um, in and like just like took squatters. It. Yeah, speaking of just coming in and, and taking things that aren't that maybe aren't ours, this one was though. We're talking about white supremacy. Today. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, and uh, you asked me to define white supremacy, and white supremacy is a fun, a funny word to define. Um, but for me, it's the idea that white is the default. I think that's the easiest way to define it. Mm -hmm. And we live in a culture where in America that white is the default. So white supremacy is bigger than like white power. It's bigger than um, other races uh, are bad and that white is better. Um, <clears throat> it's bigger than that. It's the idea that white is the default, that if you close your eyes and picture a doctor, you think of a white man. So that's also male supremacy, but we're yep, not um, yep. talking about that one today. Um, and, and that's, that's, you know, maybe a little bit nefarious, but even less nefarious about white being the default um, when we think about who sets what is supposed to be like fashion in a business setting or who sets what's supposed to be norms in a nice restaurant or in a business setting. It's, it's, it's white people. It's the Eurocentric white um, idea that sets all those norms and the rest of the non-white people, instead of being able to live in their culture, have been asked, required, not asked, have been required to conform to that. Um, and the word supremacy comes in where the white is the default because of the belief that it is better and it is right. Um, so white is right or white is the default, um, both in a nefarious way and in a non-nefarious way. So there's a bunch of ways I can go with that, but I want to go in a deeper kind of broader way uh, to extend this out. What is, so that's white supremacy. What is then white privilege? White privilege is another thing, fun thing. Um, I actually like to talk about privilege a lot. We, um, I was just with a sixth grade class last week and I did a two hour lesson um, on privilege and what privilege looks like. And one of the best ways for me, um, because I've, I've struggled with this a lot as, as a black man, um, it's easy for me to talk about, oh, white privilege gets on my nerves. And I, I find that white people obviously are offended by that. <laughs> Um, and the way that I've helped young people and students equate that is I've, I've been vulnerable enough to admit that I also have privileges and to talk about the privileges that I have. And, and having privileges doesn't make me a bad person. And mm -hmm. that's, that's the thing um, that I try to help the, pe the people understand. And so I talk a lot about ableism because um, I am an able-bodied person. 
and I take my able-bodiedness for granted. Um, for the longest time, when I went into a restaurant or a store or a place of worship, I never noticed if there was a wheelchair ramp. I never noticed if it was accessible to all, and I didn't care. Yeah. Right? That doesn't make me a bad person, no. but it didn't care because it, it was fine for me. It worked mm-hmm. for me. Um, and, I, and I talked to the people. I said, so your white privilege doesn't make you a bad person. But the fact of the matter that the fact that you don't have to think about race and you don't have to think about um, are people looking at me funny because of my race? No, people are looking at you funny because you smell funny. That's different, right? Mm-hmm. Or are people looking or are people following you on the store because of your race? Are people um, not giving you a job because of your race? Those aren't the questions you have to ask yourself because you have white privilege. And that doesn't make you a bad person, but then to be a great person is you challenge that. And so for me to work towards being a better person as an able-bodied person, um, I am now asking the questions like, hey, is this accessible, right? Not, mm-hmm. not for me, I don't need it to be accessible for mm-hmm. me, but be, to make my school a just school and to make the place that make the world a just pay, place, I need to um, fight for it to be accessible. And my able-bodied privilege gives me the opportunity to do one of two things. Live, lean into my privilege and just be like, oh, well, I get it. Everything's good for me. Yeah. Or to challenge that privilege and to demand better for everyone else. Are a lot of those privileges, um, they aren't really earned, right? No, no, no privileges earned. And that's, that's, the, <clears throat> that's the, the thing that's interesting about privilege, that we're born with privilege. The yeah. one that you could maybe argue is a big privilege in our country um, is socioeconomic status, yeah, as well as college education, yeah. And you could maybe make an argument that I could maybe hear about college education being earned. I don't buy that socioeconomic but status. Yeah, but, and I don't buy that socioeconomic status is earned. I think that wealth is pretty inherited. But certainly, once even if it was to be earned through the, I mean, the the classic, which doesn't really happen, but the like Horatio Alger, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like even if that were in the small exception that that does happen, there were so many other privileges that went into that. A great example of this is in the book um, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Yep, great book. It's one. Of, it, it, it's like a highly. I highly recommend that book. It's a great book. Read it. Uh, it'll change your perspective on this stuff. It's really important for me in the church. Um, but one of the examples that it gives in that is Bill Gates. I might even talk about this one point. Did I talk about this? You have. Okay. But just that that sense that um, that Bill Gates was able to do the things he was able to do because he he is smart. And he, he is able to do that. But he also lived a couple blocks away from the United, uh, University of Washington, which had the internet. His school was a rich school that the parents bought a computer for the middle school that he... Which was Lakeside School? I guess so. Yeah, my son just applied to go there. Yeah, and, and they, so there were rich moms that <laughs> bought Talk about computer. privilege. So he lived, <laughs> yeah, he lived... Uh, he went to a school that had a computer when there were no computers. And he also lived uh, like a mile away from a school that had the internet. And he also then was able to find a way to get the internet for free. Like he tricked, he got a code. So he was able to get all these hours online, hours coding, hours doing this stuff because he had these privileges. And so did he have abilities? Sure. But he had those privileges. So even in the case that someone does earn their social economic status through achievement, they still are, they're not doing that without privileges. Correct. That that Bill Gates couldn't have done that had he lived in Nebraska. Correct. Or had he been born two years earlier. Yeah. And I mean the the bootstrap thing is always fun for me. I was just listening to a quote, and not that I'm gonna. I guess I am. I'm gonna quote MLK in the first three minutes of yeah, great. talking about white quote. supremacy. I, if you weren't gonna do that, I was gonna. Yeah. Do that but quote. when when Martin Luther King Jr. so aptly said, um, "I'm all," he said, "I'm all for the idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and working hard." He said, "But the problem is you're asking us to do that, and we don't have any boots." 
Yeah. Right? And he's like, <laughs> you have, we don't have any boots. And I, I think that's a, that's a brilliant idea. And what, what you're saying is Bill Gates, Bill, Ga- Bill Gates, Bill Gates had the boots. Oh, yeah. Right? He could pull himself he up so many pairs. He, he had two had pairs lot. of boots. He had a couple pairs of boots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had boots at his, at his school, boots at the college. Yeah. What are bootstraps? I don't really know what that means. I just imagine that the little hooks on like rain boots. Yeah. I have no idea. your boots on. Anyway, let's just assume the time. That's, that's the time passed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, how if we're looking at kind of white supremacy and white privilege, um, how do those how, do those two things interact? Y- yeah. Yes. How? Oh man. Um, I think. Uh, Wait, hold on, Jimmy. Let him talk. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I think. Uh, I, apologize, I apologize for the interruptions. Yeah. Thank you. I think the idea of um, white white being the default makes white supremacy creates white privilege, is the is the way to put it. Because if if white weren't the default, there wouldn't be white privilege. Yeah. If able bodiedness wasn't the default, there wouldn't be able bodied privilege. If yeah. if straight wasn't the default, there wouldn't be straight privilege. If man so wasn't the default. If man wasn't the default, yeah. there wouldn't be male privilege. And so yeah, so white supremacy being the default and being the quote-unquote norm that's been set by all the people with all the power has created white privilege. And yes, there have been some awful, nefarious people who have used and dominated whiteness and used whiteness as... I mean, the idea of race was invented, right? Like people say, stop talking about race to the people of color. White people invented race. They invented race to keep people of color down. And so they're like, it's just a social construct. I'm like, yeah, it is. You invented it. <laughs> you literally invented it to keep us down, and now Wait, you're trying to switch the game. Go ahead, give give a little bit of that history because no, most people don't know that, and that just becomes kind of like just yeah. it, 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 at least in brief because people can say that be like, no, I didn't. Yeah. So the idea of, of race, I mean, we knew that there was a human race, and it was there. Um, but then, in order to decide who was in power, and we also know that there are different appearances. People like, look there are different. Physical yes. differences um, based on region and things like that. But um, the the idea that that they needed to decide, especially <coughs> let's speak specific, specifically about America. I try not to talk too much about the world because mm-hmm. my knowledge of the world is different than my knowledge of the United States. But in the United States, we, especially with the slavery and with other things that were happening as we were building our country, the people in power had to keep their power. Um, and one of the ways they kept power was to create this racial caste system. And it wasn't, at the beginning, it wasn't just black people, right? Um, Irish people weren't considered white. Italians weren't considered white early on. Now, Irish and Italian people got to graduate to white very quickly. Um, and that, and because it was made up. And you can, right. it, when, you, when it's made up, it, you can graduate to, yeah. to, to being white and to getting the white and privileges. And in some circles now, even like um, Hispanic kind of graduates into that, like depending on the, the survey. There was a while where, there like even now races are a little more uh, fluid on some levels. Yeah, I mean if you if you look at a person who is um, of Middle Eastern descent or Arab, that was not on the census. No, Arab was not on the census, no. and so the high bulk of people who are Arab had to claim usually some other and usually white, right? And if they're like from Turkey. They look white, yeah. um, whatever white means. But let's be clear, white doesn't mean anything. No. And I want to be very clear in saying that white doesn't mean anything and it's a social construct and it's completely made up, but it was made up by people in power to keep power. And so it is still powerful to this day. And it, and it predates America. Like we're talking for America. I, I, I'll confirm uh, a little beyond that. That this yes, this the is, short answer is yes, and it's I mean it's the heart of colonialism. Yes, that it is we as a society have gone into and the, the whole idea of like savages and and going into 
colonize and they you colonize to educate and to take these heathen people and turn them into us basically and so normalizing the the culture of whiteness and the religion of whiteness of of europeanism um through the portuguese through the spanish through the british mm-hmm. um and and to a lesser extent like the french like the and even the norwegian but they were doing a different kind of stuff but like all of those pizarro and and magellan and and all of those conquerors that are going around to these foreign places whether it's uh 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 commodore perry going one way uh whether it's marco polo going marco yeah polo going out to uh the, the china that it, polo. Yeah, he's going there and discovering things, but also going there uh, and establishing here are things that we can take from them and bring them into our culture rather than here is a culture that is different than ours that we can appreciate. And that um, that attitude is played out. And you can even see it like in something as simple as maps. So white <laughs> yes, supremacy yes. is located is on display in our maps. Our maps usually use the Peter's production, uh, projection or the Mercator projection. Neither one of those are very good. The projection's wrong. Yeah. Um, and the projection is, one, it makes Africa much smaller than it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it makes Greenland much bigger than it is, but even more seditious. Because it does that because it's trying to put a three-dimensional thing onto a flat, onto a two-dimensional yes. thing. So that's understandable. The seditious thing is that it puts Europe right in the middle. Every map has yeah. white people right in the middle. And the main reason that happens is because they're the ones making the maps. Yeah. But they're the ones making the maps and then taking them to the world and giving those maps to those people so that the way we understand the world is with Europe in the middle of it. So let me ask you another question because this is interesting. I learned this recently. Um, and we've all been to elementary school. I'm going to ask Jimmy this question since Jimmy hasn't spoken. How do, you find, how, do, how do you define what a continent is? Because um, we know the definition. I mean, I know what they are. Okay, how do we define continent? Does anybody know? Anybody here? It's a large mass of land surrounded by water. Water. That's how it's always been defined. We all know that, right? It's how Australia... We can can see... Hold on. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. We all know that that's how Australia is a continent, right? It's a large mass, bigger than normal. um, we, We know this. If you look at a map and you take the definition of what a continent is... Europe is not a continent, right? But not if you were to list, if you were to list the seven continents, what are they? North America, America. South America, Africa, yeah, Antarctica, Australia, Australia Asia, Asia, and Europe. And Europe, Europe is not a continent. No. So why is Europe a continent? Because that's we where all the first white people. Because that's where all the white people were, yeah. and they're the ones making and the, the ones making them To me, that is the definition of how. White supremacy has infiltrated our school system. Yeah, that that in and of itself, and we could talk about authors and lack of um, lack of authors and lack of just um, exposure to people of color and yeah. all that kind of stuff. We could talk about that for at length. But that simple little thing, we all know the definition of a of a continent, but yet we've never challenged no. that Europe as a continent. Yeah, like, it doesn't yeah, make any sense. Europe's one of the seven continents. And if you look at no, it's not. And even if you look in that big mess of like Europe, Asia, like like right around the Middle East. Like where is why they split Europe and Asia? Why, why they split? Yeah. Just, and even like where is Israel? Yeah. yeah, is Israel in Asia? Is Israel in Africa? Is Israel in Europe? It's technically in Asia, but it's just as close to Africa. And it's just, right beside Europe. Europe. Just close to Europe. <laughs> it's just as close yeah. to Europe. Yeah. yeah, you go like or, one or country, Turkey, one country up. Yeah, Turkey yeah. is in Europe, I believe. I think so. Yeah, who knows? It's, it's made up. Yeah, uh, Egypt, yeah. which is right across the the bay there, is in uh, Africa. Yeah. 
and right below to Syria, which I think is in Africa as well. Like, I, I don't even know. And I taught geography. Like, it's just not because who cares? Yeah. Like, that, yeah. we just know that that's not us. Like, that it's, we don't talk about that region yeah. unless we're going to war with them. Correct. And I mean, just to me, I, I someone I just learned that actually at this uh, the uh, People of Color Conference for the National Association of Independent Schools, and one of the speakers got up and was talking about this, and I was like, whoa. I never thought of it. I literally right. had never thought. I mean, of course, I have all kinds of opinions about Europe and what Europeans have done and, and what that means with, you know, colonialism and things and imperialism. But I'd never thought of this simple, tiny thing in American schools. Yeah. Why, why does Europe need to exist in American schools? Yeah. Right. And as you said, Europe's also in the middle. That's yeah. also purpose. Yeah. In American schools. And, Ameri- <laughs> and also, America's close enough to the middle that we're okay with that. Like we. Well, yeah. and we blow it up. Yeah. Like yeah. we're all of North America. Yep. So the other thing that comes out of that. Um, I mean, to, to now take it to America and take uh, white supremacy is that it, with written into our constitution, is white supremacy. Yes. Not Blatant. implied, but actually written down. Yes. In the Three Fifths Compromise, which is to say, so they were arguing, the northern states and the southern states were arguing over whether or not, and we talk about this in history classes in elementary school is like well it was really hard to get this country started so they made a compromise they made a compromise like we don't yeah. talk about how terrible it is we kind of imply we're like well it was unfortunate but they had a compromise and without that compromise boy we wouldn't have america and so they make this compromise the northern states and the southern states to say because the southern states were saying for the house of representatives which is uh it, it's the number the that each state gets is based on their population they were saying, well, we have really large populations, so we should be based on that. And the northern states were saying, wait, you can't count your slaves because they you don't count them as real people. And so they should. And let's count. be clear, because the northerners didn't count them as real people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Northerners are not. Um, yeah. The northerners are not. No, right they, they yeah. specifically. Yeah. They're not right. They're, and they're yeah. specifically saying this because they don't want the southern states to have power. Correct. So they're trying to find ways to minimize the votes. Now, should they if should slaves count as people in terms of power for white people because they weren't giving votes to slaves correct they were just going to count them as toward total population so that's not a good solution either like the the solution to this is don't have slaves like that abolish slavery uh, but they weren't ready for that and so uh the 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 compromise was that there would be each slave each person of african descent would be counted as three-fifths of a person and so within our constitution, it says that each person of color is technically not even a full person. Yep. And, and even then, it's, I think it was only men. I don't think that they counted women slaves in the three-fifths compromise. They did not count women in the census of the population. It was, uh, oh, no. They did count them in the census of the population. They weren't allowed to vote. Voting was only reserved to white land-owning men. men. So yep. there's another privilege where it was privilege of economics, that they didn't want poor, uneducated people voting. And they definitely didn't want, want women voting. Correct. And so you see these power systems set up even from the framers of the Constitution. And so that sense of white supremacy is written into our very document. It was that way until the 14th Amendment, which abolishes slavery and takes that compromise out in terms of that because it allows um, black people the right to be citizens and the right to vote. But then there were still laws that allowed... Um, systematic racism like overt racism where people of color could not vote until 1965 until the Civil Rights Act yep. and, and not to say that there aren't now but there, that's the one time where it did kind of the Equal Rights Amendment 
made it so that regardless of one's uh, race, regardless of the color of one's skins, they have all the equal rights. Now, there is no equal rights amendment for women. It did not include gender. Correct. And so that's why the, the, the Equal Rights Amendment now. This, the, so that was the Civil Rights Amendment. In the 70s, there was a push for the Equal Rights Amendment, which was to say you cannot discriminate based on gender. Because mm-hmm. the, the Civil Rights Amendment said you can't discriminate based on race. And we still don't have that on the books. That's why right. it's okay to pay women less than men. Yep. And it got close to becoming amended. It got, I think, 30 states and needed like 32. And it never, we never got it. So we don't, it doesn't legally say anywhere in any of our laws that women are equal to men. And that's why, based on our country, women, it's, it's completely legal to treat women less than men. It's not legal to treat people of, uh, of African descent different than white people, different than people of European descent, while we know that still happens because it's systematic. But it's, from a federal standpoint, it has been, uh, there have been moves to correct that. But again, that doesn't mean that in 1965, white supremacy was done. And racism was fixed. Correct. Nor nor was it fixed when Obama was elected. No. It was fixed three years into his second term. I'm going to say no to that also. Oh, I thought it was when Lin-Manuel Miranda came. It wasn't? Oh, we haven't fixed racism? We have not. How? Why not? So tell me more about that. About that. Um, Why did the Civil Rights Amendment not fix racism? And why is there still racism? And white supremacy. We took it out of our, our federal laws. I mean, it's an interesting idea, right? I mean, yeah. so let's go back to the beginning. And I mean, I'm obviously playing devil's advocate, yeah. but that's a legitimate thing. Like, if we did finally, 1965, kind of the stuff that, that um, MLK was pushing for, like, that all got passed. So how did that not fix it? I mean, yeah, to, to, push, to push all the way back to the beginning, the idea that race is a social construct and completely made up, and think about, but the, the question is not, is it a racial? It is. It yeah. is made up. Oh, the question is, why? Yeah. And we've kind of talked about it. It was to gain control and maintain power Mm -hmm. um and so the question why does racism still exist it's to maintain power 100 percent. there is no denying it um the the people in power are mainly white people um and they will give opportunities to people of color um and this is on both sides of the aisle let's be very clear it's not just a republican issue um we might have a republican um, head of state right now who is more blat- blatant about it mm-hmm. and is not hiding behind uh, what's the word not hiding behind uh, decorum um, but both sides are racist and the idea of people don't want to give up power nobody wants to give up power once once you get power <coughs> and once you gain power you want to keep power um, and that's that's why racism still exists and that's why it's not going anywhere the other thing is fear um, and when we think about the idea that in this country specifically, how, how smart, I'll use the word smart because it was, it was brilliant for the people in power, how, how smart, especially when slavery was abolished, how smart they were, the white people in power, to convince poor white people that they were still better than black people. Yeah, um, that their enemy was black people. That their enemy was black people because they were better than them. Um, because to say, because of, you know, um, just this idea of, of the poor black person and the poor white person working together and what that could have changed is 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 dra- is is wild to me, um, but then also I mean we think about still even currently in our country um, the statistics are clear that even uh, people of color who have college degrees, people of color who are well off are still discriminated against. 
So this myth that I hear from some people on the left that economic anxiety is the problem um, and that to solve economic inequality will solve racism is an asinine, is an asinine opinion. Yeah. Um, so how if, how if, if we made it illegal in 1965 for white supremacy to exist within our laws, does white supremacy still exist? Not just racism. Because white supremacy still exists, right? Well, white supremacy will always exist. Laws can't abdicate white supremacy. So how does that... What Are there systems involved right now that are, that are keeping that oppression? Yes. Um, gerrymandering, voting, voting. Um, the idea of... I, I mean, like, I ask a question all the time. Like, we have to acknowledge, in my opinion, we have to acknowledge that there's something wrong. Um, the fact, the fact is that we have a higher incarceration rate of people of color than we do of white people. Yeah. Very, well, I mean, and because the highest actually, crimes, right? and the, the highest actually natives, right? Uh, Native Americans. Um, and the question is, it's a, to me, it's very twofold. Maybe it's more nuanced than this, but in my mind, it's not. The reality is, is when you hear that statistics, you only have two options. And that's to say that they, they are more, more prone, they're, yeah. they commit more crimes, they're more, more cr- prone to criminal activity, people yeah. of color. They're are. just violent people. Or there's something wrong with the system. Yep. I believe very strongly that something was wrong with the system. Yeah. And anybody who doesn't jive with me on that, I, I have very little tolerance. Well, for. and the reality now, we can but, argue but the reality, about what we need to do to fix the system. Oh, absolutely. But it's important to point out that the reality of that uh, binary is that there is a systematic problem or a racist problem. There are uh, uh, in that solution either if you're saying black people are more prone to violent crime or just crime in general, that's a racist statement. And blatantly. You, yeah, blatantly. And you have to own that. Or there's a problem with the system. It can't be both and. It can't because that's still racist. Like, yeah. And you can't say, well, they just commit more crimes without having that be a racist statement. And that's an important thing to recognize that it's not, well, you just, you just can't say that black people are more prone to committing crimes without that being racist. That's it. it just, it, it, that's yeah. the definition of racism. And let's be clear to go back to white supremacy that it's not always nefarious. Well intentioned people. That are in the public light right now, running for president, Absolutely. have said, "Well, well, when when it's been brought up, they said, well, black people commit more crimes, right? Yeah. They they've literally said that, and this was right. an intelligent senator yeah. who knows stuff and who is working um, for the the rights of people of color. I, I hope he says he is. Um, and so, white supremacy is so thick." in this country that he believed that to be true. And that's the narrative that is sold to you from the point you begin, from the, from the the time you point on the the five o'clock news, even if it's not on what they're showing you are criminals and they're showing you mug shots and they're showing you black faces and those black faces associate from the time you're a kid seeing the news to whenever that um, criminals have black faces. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the idea of Ronald Reagan in his brilliance and his nefarious, awful brilliance um, the welfare queen. Yeah, I mean the idea. We still know, even to this day in 2020, the majority of people on government assistance are white. We know that. That's a that's a, the majority of people. I don't know that everybody knows that. Well, they should. Yeah, it, I mean it it's, a, it's right. an unrefuted fact. It's an unrefuted yeah. fact. Nobody argues with that actual fact, but people are very clear. To they argue with it. Try to paint it a different picture. Yeah, you can't um, argue the data. And the idea that that the majority of people on welfare are black is something that yeah people believe, and that was that was made. Like, let me be clear, that was manufactured by Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan's and his propaganda yeah. at its And finest. even people on welfare believe that. Because <coughs> yes, the even people black welfare, people believe that. Yeah, yeah. 
Let me be clear. It's it's not just white people who cross the street when they see a group of black people. Yeah. Black people do it too because we have also been taught yeah. to hate our own. Yeah. You also be, have grown that, up in this society. Yeah. The same society that views white people as heroes yeah. and black people as criminals. We've been taught to hate our own. I mean, yeah. that's how that's that's where we've gotten. That's how that's how awful it is. Yeah. Here's here's a question that I would have. Um, so obviously this has been a slightly different format in terms. Of, I mean, one Jay is sleeping. Uh, adorably we've been I wanted to give you a lot of one your uh, I really appreciate your mind and your ability to articulate stuff but also you can speak to this in a, I'm really articulate yeah you can yeah <laughs> your ability to articulate things <laughs> you are as an educator um, the, but I think that the 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 follow-up to all this like it's good to know this but we're sitting at a table with uh, two white guys so what do we do and I mean, a, 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 a portion of the, a significant portion of the people probably listening to this are not people of color. What are we supposed to do? I have an answer, but Jimmy is looking at me like he wants to say something. Well, I don't just, hear it. And I don't mean like fix this for us, please, sir. No, but I, like, I have an answer. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's. I mean, it's just sound. That's what it sounds like. Though. It totally does sound like yeah. that, and I don't mean it that way. But it's also, I think that there's a lot of times we can get worked up about a thing. And not doing Especially that. because something so big like this, something systematic right. that is overwhelming when you realize it. Like the map thing. Like the continent thing. I mean, something that's so big that you think, oh, jeez. I never even thought that. about yeah. that. And like going through the three, like, wait, black people were not people in the Constitution? Like something like that. Yeah. It's there, but we just never really put it together. And so hearing all that at once can be overwhelming. So this is not like. I, I know it really does sound like that, and it effectively is that, but I don't mean it in that way of like, please tell us right, what right. to do. But, yeah. What do we do? I, I, I'm going to go with the three A's. And they just hit me, so we'll see if um, if I can articulate this well, if I can make sense of this. Um, you are pretty articulate. Thank you. I appreciate it. The first A is to acknowledge. Acknowledge. Acknowledge your privilege. It's going back to the story I said earlier about my being able-bodied. I have to acknowledge that. Yeah. I have to have to acknowledge that I'm able-bodied and that that matters um, and then this so the first thing is to, to acknowledge it mm -hmm. and I have completely forgotten what the second one was um, can I just to interrupt for a second because I, I, I'm glad that you've brought in ableism to this yep because I think that a lot of people kind of get worked up about ableism people get worked up about all kinds of things but especially ableism like oh, do we gotta anytime that we have to think about other people people can get annoyed and it's one thing to be annoyed about racism. Like, we've all agreed that being annoyed about racism is a pretty terrible thing. Being annoyed about ableism or people's, like, allergies or something like that. Like, if, if someone, ha like, having gluten-free options, people will get really mad about those kind of things. And it's, it's still the same principle of just recognizing the privilege that you have. Is it really going to hurt me to have a ramp going into this building? Not at all. No. So I shouldn't get mad that they're having to make everything accessible to people who aren't me. And yet we are really good at that. Yeah, so I, I think I remember my, my three A's. I'm gonna say them now so that I remember them. Yeah. It's acknowledge, accept, and abdicate. Abdicate? Abdicate. abdicate. <laughs> so just give it up. <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh, okay. No, abdicate power. Okay, not advocate. No. Abdicate. Abdicate okay, you, okay. the power. I love it, I love it. Um, and then the fourth one, since you said it, is advocate advocate okay um, and in that order so let me let me start mm -hmm. um, so the first one I said is acknowledge acknowledge your privilege um, acknowledge it 
It's, it's that simple. It's like a simple, like, yep, I have privilege. The next one is to accept it, which I believe is different than acknowledging it. Because acknowledging it, I can just say it and I can move on. Accept it is mean to actually listen to the marginalized group. So if I'm an able-bodied person, I want to actually listen. Um, the right. quick story is that in my yeah, school... Before you get into the story, just to remind people, acknowledging it and accepting it, again, doesn't necessarily mean that you're evil. Not at all. Not at all. So, and that's a, like a lot of times we get, we feel guilty about it. It was like, well, I never meant to do that. Like, of course you did. Of course you didn't. Because and no one ever asked you to. They just gave it to you. Yeah. And I, mean, I guess the biggest thing we didn't say from the get go is the big thing we have to recognize is that racism and white supremacy and white privilege is not an individual sin. No. Right. And that's what people have to realize. They're like, well, I haven't individually done anything. Correct. Yeah. yeah. You Correct. have not. Yeah. I will give that to you. The whole and notion of corporate sin is a really important thing. Yes. Corporate just means the whole group. Yeah. And yeah. so the idea of that this is in place. So to accept it means actually listen to people of, of color, to listen to um, uh, women, to listen to people in the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. and to and to listen and accept what they tell you. I think one of the biggest things that we have is that we, we want to tell people to get over it and that it's not that big of a deal. But if it is a big deal to them, then it's a big deal. Um, so the simple story I have is I have a student at my school um, who, is, who uh, has cochlear implants, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And when he came in in sixth grade, his mom didn't know us, didn't know us at all, right? So she didn't trust us yet. And so she came in and had a bunch of meetings about all advocating for her son and all these things that she had to tell us, like, take care of my son. I need to make sure there's amplification. Um, if you guys are watching, if you all are watching movies, and they need to have a subtitle, like, all these different things. And I remember very clearly feeling like she was attacking me. Yeah. I remember very clearly feeling like she was over-exaggerating her pain. Um, all the things that white people have said to black people, right? Like, And it, and it hit me to go, oh my gosh, I sound like a white person. Um, and, and I was like, I'm not going to be that person. I'm going to listen to her. I am going to accept this privilege that I have that I didn't even realize I had. Yeah. It didn't make me a bad person. It's not nefarious. I hadn't thought about it, right? And so... I and now, if you've never, but if you've never had that experience, there's nothing wrong with not thinking about it because you've never had that experience. Maybe, yes, yes, nothing wrong is a funny yeah, word, yeah, yeah. right? No, um, there's no, there's nothing to blame about that. Yeah, there's nothing nefarious. Yeah. I like yeah. the word nefarious. Yeah, it's yeah, fun it's word. It's, it's, um, it's, it's nothing nefarious. It's nothing. And and so very simply, we're watching a movie. Yeah, I'm teaching a literature through film class right now, and this kid's an eighth grader is in my class, and we were watching a movie. And when I started it, um, he said, "Hey, could you put the subtitles on?" And my first thought was, oh, crap. He shouldn't have to ask me for that. Yeah. I'm right. glad that he's, you know, willing to, and he trusts me enough that he knew I wouldn't get upset and it'd be fine. It was a five-second exchange. I put the subtitles on. Great. Yeah. Um, but I thought to myself, dang it, I messed that up, right? Like, I took for granted my privilege again mm-hmm. and didn't even think about it. We had class the next day. And before he got in, I put the subtitles on. It's that simple, yeah. right? Like, right. it's not that complicated. Yeah. And I know it seems, and I'm not trying to um, minimize ableism. I'm not trying to minimize racism. I'm not trying to minimize these things. But there are little things that we can do that can be better. And not only that, but the class that he's not in also is now watching the movie in subtitles. Yeah. Because why not? Yeah. Because maybe there is another... The same reason that anyone can use a ramp. Yeah, and maybe, yeah. And maybe there's another student in, my, in, in the eighth grade who is not comfortable advocating for themselves, but is also um, hearing impaired and has never told us because they never felt safe to tell us. But now I've put on the subtitles and and here we are. I've I've done that. So acknowledge, accept, abdicate, abdicate power. 
And I know that's that's the one that's the hardest one. That's yeah. the one that we that people don't want to do. But the reality is is that <clears throat> there are there are more white people in this country with power than there should be, according to the statistics of how many white people there are versus how many people of color there are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to work if you abdicate power. And some of us don't have Microsoft money. Um, some of us don't have uh, Microsoft power, Amazon power, not all Jeff right. Bezos, you know, Bill Gates. Actually, most of us don't have that power. 99.9% of us, yeah, yeah, the 0.01%. But, but we do recognize that maybe we get to a, a place or we see a list of speakers. You're a pastor. We see a list of speakers at a conference, and we look at it, and we're like, all the speakers they've invited are white males. Yeah. And you call them up and say, I appreciate the offer, and I would have appreciated the $3,000 stipend, but I'm going to pass, and you need to give that spot to a person of color. Yeah. You have to. You, yeah. you literally have to, because that's the only way that's going to work. And I know that's tough, because people are like, I've earned this. I've earned the right to speak at this conference. And why can't that other schmuck, who actually is way worse than me, why, why doesn't he or she give up their white spot yeah. for a person of color? Well, you're a better person than them. So, <laughs> so, so do it, you know? Well, wait, I want to dig into abdicate just a little okay. bit. Just because that's a, a, that's a great word. And, and that example was a really good one, where it doesn't abdicate doesn't mean you never have power again. Or you never have authority, or you never have. It's using your power to give voices and space for other people, uh-huh. and that part of, I mean, part of being a white man right now means that there are a lot of opportunities um, that I have power and I have voices. I have a voice and a platform that I don't even re- recognize, and I, that that I can easily assume. Oh, everybody has this. I was walking with some friends to um, San Francisco this week, and. Um, it was me and another white guy and then three people of color. And I did something goofy on the street. And one of the guys said, uh, boy, I don't think I could ever do that. One of the, and I was just doing something <laughs> yeah. dumb. And he's like, man, that must, that, that's your white privilege right yeah. there. And he was kind of joking, but he was kind of being serious. And, I, and it was something I didn't even think about. Like, I wasn't thinking, like, I ha- I'm entitled to do this. I yeah. just thought, like, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm do-. And it was something... I was so dumb I can't even remember. I just like said something loud on the street. Like it wasn't offensive. It wasn't rude. Uh, and I think pretty objectively so. It's not that I'm even misreading it. It's just it was beyond what this person, my friend, could imagine doing. Because as a black man walking down the street, he feels that he needs to uh, comport himself in a certain way so that he doesn't draw attention to himself. Whereas uh, I don't have that threat. And in and, and that sense... Uh, even something like that, where uh, noticing my privilege uh, was a, a helpful thing for me, and, and not in terms of abdication, there wasn't really much to abdicate in that point, but it, it's just being aware of it, and then abdicating um, doesn't mean that I won't have that privilege, but it does mean that when I have those opportunities to use that voice, that I make sure that there's representation, and again, like you said, should other people do that too? Absolutely. Be but, awesome. I can't, it's not waiting until can't everybody does them, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it won't change until some people do it. And guess what? You're some people. Yeah, I mean, we give you know we give we give Kanye West a hard time for a lot of reasons. But one of the original things we gave him a hard time was you know coming up on stage for Taylor Swift. But right. how awesome! I, Taylor Swift worked her butt worked her butt off to win that award. Yeah. But how awesome would it have been if she walked up there to accept that award and said, "I kind of think that I won this award." For some white privilege, white supremacy garbage, and I am abdicating this award. Yeah, and I'm giving it Basically to Beyonce. Basically, like Adele said, I mean Adele, Adele kind of did that. 
where she went up on stage and she was like, kind of did. Kind of. There was, there was she somebody. Didn't, didn't but nobody really wants to give up their Grammy. Yeah. And I understand there that because they earned like their the, Grammy. At one award Macklemore show texted Kendrick afterwards then posted like a screenshot and it was just weird. There was someone, at, at, it was like in the 80s or something, at, I think at the Oscars, where someone did, and I, I, don't, I think it was just another actor, but they actually called somebody on stage and said, Maybe it's Kevin Spacey when he won, called Jack Lemmon on stage, and he said, I was basically doing you, so this belongs to you. He then kept it, and well, Kevin Spacey is a terrible didn't, person. Uh, so that's kind of <laughs> yeah. But I, and I, I mean, an award show is a funny way to do it, you know, but the idea sure. of, of abdicating this. It's just an, it's just a, a, an example of a yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but I think the speaker example I gave earlier is, is the example. That's, that's, right? that's, um, that's You look at that list, and you're like, no, this isn't okay. And I, as, as a black man, I still also have the responsibility to do as a man. I think about, and I know I talk about politics a lot, but I think a lot about um, mainly Steyer and Bloomberg. Um, and these are two billionaires that have decided to jump in the Democratic primary. Right. Um, one, I, I don't know why, but two, a great example would have been if they came in and said, with no strings attached, I would like to donate money to keep Ju- Julian Castro and Cory Booker and Kamala Harris in the race, oh, man. right? Think about what that says about the Democratic Party. Yeah. I think any Democrat that and sees not that goes, oh, the DNCs, we're in a good place. Yeah. Like, and think even about how great did, that is. Even if they did that not to say, I am endorsing this person. This not time. endorsing them. I want these three voices to continue to be part of this Correct. process. Yeah. And I, I don't need to be on the stage, because yeah. guess what, Bloomberg and Sire? You shouldn't be on the stage, yeah. and you shouldn't be running the country. No. Now, if you want to go a step further, because they're not even politicians, but if you want to go a step further, Maybe Biden and, and, and uh, Bernie should be saying the same thing. You know, like, it's an interesting idea. The reality is people run for president for two reasons. We can say it's altruistic. Because they're white and they're a man. Because <laughs> they can say it's altruistic where they believe that they want to work. They, they're, they're government employees and they've always uh, been service for the people and they're working for the people. But also they believe very firmly that they are the best option yeah. to oh, make yeah. the country better. And that's yeah. true for everybody. But at some point... Maybe they could acknowledge, you know, Mike Bloomberg acknowledged that he's not the best choice. Yeah. Um, and that his money could do so much. Yeah. Um, for someone like Kamala, who, here's bias, clearly the best choice for president. <laughs> um, hot takes. Hot takes all over the place. Yeah. Right? It's, a, it's a spicy take at this point because it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts bad. a lot. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't know what's going on anymore. Um. And, and someone said, I, I just read this today on a tweet, and said, I, I have come to grips and I've, I've, I'm done mourning the loss of Julian Castro and Cory Booker and Kamala Harris um, on, in the Democratic primary, but I am not done arguing and fighting about the misogynist and racism in the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm, not, I'm not done fighting about that. I'm not going to keep bringing up, well, I'm still bringing up Kamala, but um, because I thought she was great. But... Um, but I'm not done fighting about who we are as a party and what, what this looks like and what our pro- what's the problem. Like, what is going on here? Yeah. Right? Even in the party that's supposed to be progressive. Yeah. Well, and especially, like, that. I think that um, the same thing could and should be said for the Republican Party. This is not a progressive... I mean, it, it seems ridiculous at this point because they've gone so far, but there should be people in the Republican Party saying... Uh, this is not who we stand for. Like, if they're really about equality, if they're really about giving everyone an equal chance, yeah. then it shouldn't be a problem. Even if they had different uh, economic means of doing it, 
they should still be about supporting equal opportunities for everybody, supporting representation. Yeah, it comes back to what I said earlier. Yeah. You can you can say, we can argue about how to fix the system, yeah. but you do need to admit that it's broken and that, it, and that it's and that it's tilted towards towards white people, it's tilted towards yeah. men. We, we That's just a fact. Like, I don't know how to get, how to make it more clear, but that is just a fact. And I think, I'd love to hear some conservatives say, yeah, that's a fact, it's messed up. And I believe that smaller government, and I believe that, uh, lowering taxes and these different programs will help will help you know will help that and I, I don't hear that right. because they'll say I mean Trump will pat himself on the back and say his employment uh, unemployment rate for for black people is the lowest it's ever been which is a lie first of all but also he's not saying that there is systemic racism because yeah. he'll lose his his white supremacy base yeah right um and Come on, man. I mean, like, we're not buying it. Is what I'm. Is what I'm saying. We're not buying. Well, and, and particularly if if one is a fiscal conservative, as many people claim to be, like, then there's there's no reason to not um, speak out against uh, racism, yeah. none, uh, and, and and misogyny and yep. gender inequality and rights for uh, marginalized peoples. Like, there, there's nothing. It's actually better for the economy for all of these people to be in there. So if you're a social a fiscal conservative what that means that you are conservative with money you're not conservative with uh progression of culture yeah and so th then it, it it's hard to justify recognizing if there's no good reason why we shouldn't attack these systems then you really do have to look at well then what is the reason why we don't attack these systems? i mean it comes back to not giving up power Yes. yes. Yeah. Right. What is the reason? Is the is, question, is, and we yeah. know the reason. It's yeah. not a real question. Yeah. 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 Well, and even the not giving up power is is a thing that hides people from overtly understanding it as racism. Yes. Is like I'm afraid, like building a wall. We build a wall not because people are claiming that they hate Mexicans, but they're afraid that these rapists and murderers and people are going to come in and steal jobs, and be, that these criminals will come in. It's not about Mexicans. It's about criminals. But that's a that's a, a dog whistle of saying 100% Mexicans. Yes, but they, you they, can hide behind that by saying, yeah, but there were some rapists. and I mean, maybe, but also there's way more rapists. Like statistically, statistically, the government has numbers that say immigrants do not commit crimes at a on, rate. on a rate that's anywhere yes. even anywhere, near not even not even citizens. Yeah, not even close. On the border, yeah. anywhere in America. Like that is just absolutely wrong. And so if that's absolutely wrong, then why do we want the wall? Yeah. And, I heard, and eventually you're going to get to, we, we want the wall because we're scared of people who look different than us and we don't value their lives in the same way. Yeah. Which I, is racist. Yes. Yes. And I, I remember I heard um, the other thing, I mean, speaking of the other question, you said, I said the four A's and great, but uh, come same on. Same again. Same come, again. Say them again. Yeah. The four A's. Um, that's going to require me to remember that. I know. Because the first one, they're so good. The first one is to acknowledge. acknowledge. Second one is to accept. Third one is to abdicate, is an abdicate power, and the fourth one is to advocate. Yes, um, that's what white people need to do. Um, but the other thing, come wait, on. wait, wait, Rob, what about black people? Don't they need to do those too? No. <laughs> Tell me that. That's Tell me all, that. No, 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 no. Oh, Wait, give me at least a small paragraph on that. For people who would push back, who would say that? So, so systemic racism is. Racial prejudice plus power. Mm -hmm. We actually haven't defined this yet. Yeah. And this idea. That, that's why I was. And, yeah. and, the, and the fact of the matter is, people will open up a Webster's dictionary and say, well, racism, the definition of racism is um, treating people differently because of their race. 
that's not that's not the definition of racism. That's the white definition of racism that makes white people feel better, so they can blame people of color for being racist. Again, understanding that race is not even a thing. It's not, it's not even a thing. Yeah. It's completely made up. But the idea of racial prejudice. So yes, there's all kinds of prejudices. Um, and but but racial prejudice plus power is what equals racism. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, do do people of color have work to do individually to work on some individual racial prejudices? Sure. I would want, I'd like to make the world a better place, a kinder place. So individually, I would love that. But the systems of power is not the work of people of color. Rob, are you, saying, the power. are you saying that, that people of color can't be racist? I am saying that people of color cannot be racist. But what if people of color hate white people? That's racial prejudice. Oh, nuance. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. And nuance matters. matters. Yeah, it really does. It does. It really does. Um... What I was going to say, oh, Kamal Bell, um, he, we went to his stand-up, and he was talking about a bunch of things. This guy's brilliant. He's a comedian, but he's like also a social commentary. Got, does he still have a show on CNN? I think so. I think yeah. that show is still on CNN. I mean, you know, you watch things streaming now. It's like a comedy show, but like a serious show. Yeah, he's, he's sure, legit. He's, he's got a bunch of great books. Um, but one of the things he was talking about, he said he was, um, he was interested, like, let's just talk about the idea that when a, when, a, when a black person does something in the country, everyone has to answer for that person and say, well, what do you think about OJ? What do you think about Bill Cosby? You're asking black people, what do, what do you think? What do you, are, you, are, you defending, are you defending Bill Cosby? How many white people were asked to defend Harvey Weinstein as a white person? Yeah. Nobody. It doesn't happen. It literally doesn't happen. And what he said, kind of jokingly, tongue-in-cheek, but also serious, he said, one of the ways we fix racism in this country is to have more white pride. And what he means is, we need white people to stand up and say, hey, other white people, you don't get to act like that anymore. I have too much pride in my own race for you to act like that. Something that people of color have been doing to our own people for hundreds of years in this country, where we're like, all right, tone it down, black person, right? Um, But white people don't do that. White people go, that person over there is a child molester. Well, he's a child molester, not what's wrong with white people. We know that the majority of child molesters in this country are white, but no one is like, oh man, there's something in that water that white people are Well, then they're just crazy. I mean, it's like the the mass shooters. Mm -hmm. They're crazy people. They aren't people with any kind of responsibility that matches ours. And so our rights shouldn't be infringed upon because of crazy people, because that's not us. And if you can dismiss people as other, even when they are uh, people who look like you, then you can separate yourself from them. But, but fundamentally, while, while the white people in power have done such a great job to other everyone else, they haven't collectively said, and we're also us. Yeah. Right? They, don't, they don't actually mean that. And it's a very interesting nuance to me that white people do not have to answer for the atrocities of individual white people, yeah. but black people do. I mean, how many times I've been asked to give my opinion on R. Kelly, right? Um, or to give my opinion on Kanye or Michael Jackson or Bill Cosby. And the fact that we all know all these things, and I doubt any of you as white people have been asked to give your opinions on Kevin Spacey. Right. Um, or the guy in Seventh Heaven, whatever his name is, yeah. um, who still has a show on Netflix for whatever reason. Ninth Heaven? <laughs> yeah. Seventh Heaven is on Netflix. And oh, it, it is? It is. It's oh, legitimately okay. still on Netflix. Jeez. The Cosby show got pulled from everything. Yeah. Um, ask, yourself, ask yourself why on that one. Right. Um, so, yeah. There's a there's a guy on uh, on TikTok who I think is hilarious, a young black man. I don't know if he's a high school or college student, um, but he almost always films himself whenever 
there's a situation that happens. Like, I watched him getting pulled over by a police officer, and he rolls his window down, and he says, and the guy said, uh, yeah, do you know why I pulled you over? And he said, oh, to apologize for slavery? <laughs> and the cops kind of looked at him, and he's like, no, you were speeding. He's like, oh, you're not you're not apologizing for slavery? Oh, I'm sorry, I was speeding. I will, I'll pay that ticket, you know. But he does that to everybody. Like, his teacher will call on him, or will say something. He's like, oh, why do you want to talk to me to apologize for slavery? Um, and I think that is pointed. And it's hard to hear, but it's also pretty funny and also pretty brilliant um, because we as a country have not. I know, I know we say there's been a couple declarations here or there, but like it's illegal in Germany to deny the Holocaust. Yeah. It is illegal yeah. to deny it. Um, mm -hmm. And there are other things, and we could start talking about reparations, but there are other things that have happened in, in Germany and other countries. We think about Israel being given to the Jews because of the atrocities of the Holocaust, and yeah, they deserved some. There were some atrocities. It was awful what happened. Um, but also, it was awful what happened to black people, and we as a country don't really want to acknowledge it. Um, and also, actual reparations were given to Israelis. Correct. From, from the Germans. Correct. They, they paid money yeah. to them. That's and, the reason why Israel was able to survive. Why did, why, did Germany, why did Germany pay it? Because they owned... Who, who made them, I'm saying? Oh, the UN? Yeah, and who's the biggest player Us. in the UN? China, the United States, <laughs> and so this idea, this idea that the United States, is like, hey Germans, you've done this awful thing, you've got to, you've got to do something about that, but we can't say that for ourselves. That's right. asinine. But that's also like the epitome of who we are as a yeah. country. Yeah. Um, but the case for reparations is real. If you haven't read Tom Easy Coates, um, the guy is brilliant. You should read some of the things he's talking about. Case for reparations, you can find online. It's it's an article in the Atlantic. It's yeah. also in his book. It's in the book uh, Eight Years in Power. Yes. Yeah. Is that what's the full title? Of that Eight Years. I think it's Eight Years in Power. Eight Years in Power. Eight yeah. Years where we were in power. Something like that. Yeah. That book is also. It's brilliant. a it's a brilliant book. It's, <laughs> a, it's a collection of eight essays that he wrote during the years of the Obama administration, yeah. and they're not. Uh, I think only like two of them were actually about Obama. Yeah, but it was about those eight years and what yeah. that meant. And, and I, mean, it, I think the first one starts with the case for reparations. And we don't have time to even talk about how our country has responded. To, to, the first to the first black president and what and what that means and and how fear has been mongered um, very strongly yeah. about look who's taking over now and how that plays to a lot of people. So do you feel like scared of giving up power? Yes. It was immediately elected white supremacy. Yes. So and I mean, could could we see this maybe as an extension of of that process of when you uncover this system? that there is a natural response by those in power to recoil and get defensive. And Fight attack. back. Yeah. Is, I, yes, and I think the brilliance, the brilliance of the GOP um, is that they did a really good job of allowing Trump to say all the things that he said. Yeah. Um, they had it within their power to not let him be the nominee, but they wanted him to be the nominee because he was saying all the things that they wanted to say. Um, and they couldn't say them. They could. I mean, listen to all the things that Lindsey Graham and others said about how awful Ted Cruz. All the things they really said about how awful Donald like, Trump yeah. was, and because they had to say how awful he was, and yeah. now they're singing his praises. Yeah. And it's like, what? What happened? What happened, guys? Right. Um, they they were declarative about it too. It wasn't subtle. They were like, the worst thing that could happen to this country is Donald Trump getting yeah. becoming the nominee. Yeah. The worst thing that could happen to this party, and it was all of them. It, I mean, Lindsey Graham was one of the biggest ones. Loudest, he was loud yeah. against against Trump, and here he is. So you don't think, uh, or uh, do you think, the election of uh, a candidate like Donald Trump to be the president is a sign that we are getting worse in terms of our ability to tackle these 
issues. No, I don't actually believe it's a sign that we're getting worse. It's it's a sign of that we never got better. Yeah, right. Um, and President Obama was elected, and obviously, you know, people say things and jokingly, you know, oh, we've fixed racism, and some people believe that for some odd reason. Um, but I think that brought a lot of fear and a lot of people, and it just made it really clear. Um, you know, 40-some million people came out and voted for Donald Trump, an openly racist, an open birther, um, openly misogynistic, open sexist, basically an open rapist, because he admits what yeah. he's, he doesn't believe it's, he doesn't believe it's sexual assault, um, and openly, and come on in. Yeah. Not only come on in, but run everything. Yeah. Be our hero. Be our hero. Right. Make America great again. I mean, that statement in of itself is racist. Because um, what time period are we going back to? Speaking right. of 1965, yeah. what time period is when America was great? Before 1965. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's right. what they're talking about. They're, they're not hiding that fact yeah. at all. So why is that not a sign? Like, what, how, what, how can we see that as a sign that progress can still be made? And not a tremendous step back? I'm gonna say three words that I don't love. I don't know. Um, I mean, would you agree with that? That we that we progress that this isn't a huge step backwards. I, I mean, I guess it is. Yes, it is. It's a huge step backwards. Yeah. Um, but it's it's. So if Trump is not Trump is not the. You know, he's not the cause, mm -hmm. as we know. He's a symptom, um, and. And the idea. Well, that let's put. Well, let me put it this way. It, let's say uh, another candidate of color had run in 2016, and this is not a criticism of, of Hillary as the candidate. This is just continuing on with the process uh -huh. of we have solved racism. Yeah. Cory Booker runs in 2016, gets elected. How much easier or harder does does it become easier or harder for us to continue to deal with racial inequalities in America if we have 12 years of a black president? <laughs> I would I'd love to say it would get easier, but I think it would have gotten harder. Um, I, I, I still go back. back. Coming. Yeah, yeah I think, still and maybe it's coming yeah. even harder. Right. You know, I yeah. think the idea, um, there are a strong... So as we said earlier, white supremacy and white privilege isn't always nefarious. Yeah. But we need to be clear, sometimes it really is. <coughs> um, Absolutely. And sometimes Absolutely. it really, really is. Yeah. Um, and we have to acknowledge that there are some awful, awful people who use their hatred for people of color to to kill and to destroy and to and people who ruin. use their love of power to turn people against other people of good, it, to to get white people to turn against people of color. Yeah. So whether or not they're actually their desire is to get other people to hate, they are fomenting hate because it allows them to hold on to power. Well, it all comes back to exactly what white people were doing like hundreds of years ago by saying like even if you feel like you're in the bottom of our society, they're the ones who are lower than you. Yeah. If you're a poor white person, it'd be their fault. Yeah. It's the Irish. Like we're, they're and still doing the it. the Italians. Like it's the same process the Chinese. of yeah. originally making the slaves lesser than uh, and now making, now villainizing people of color still. Yeah, one, one clarification, and I know I'm a nuanced word guy, um, and maybe anybody who's hearing this can hear this, there's a drastic difference between calling the Africans who were transported over here slaves versus enslaved people. Um, no, that sounds like it's so minor, no, but it's it's a huge for me. It's a huge difference because um, they were people who were enslaved. It was done to them, yeah. as opposed to 
them just being enslaved. Now, there are people yeah. who were enslaved. Yep. Um, for anybody listening, it's interesting clarification. Yeah. Well, and it's and it's a uh, it, it's a it's again how it's good to consider language, and language, what, language, and, what language is everything. and especially I mean, slave is an object; it's a thing. And and even when we use the word slaves, we're not talking about people; we're talking about things. That's a that's a good to be bought and sold. So if you mm-hmm. even just making that adjustment to enslaved people, well, again, it's a hard adjustment to ruin your privilege of being able to say the word that you always say, but it also changes your your own understanding of that. And maybe you already think, well, I think of slaves as people. Then why not say enslaved people? Yeah, Yeah, there's no real good reason. And it doesn't save you that much time. Uh, But just being able to do that helps you to emphasize the personhood of these people who have been enslaved rather than the object nature of the slave that is bought and sold. Yeah. So what, and, and this is kind of more for the table, given that we've talked... Um, I mean, an hour, and sometimes we go a lot longer. But this has been a a, a chock full hour. Um, how do we? Not just how do we white people, but how does the church respond to this? What role does the church have in this, or is it just the same role as everybody else? Uh, I mean, that you know, that depends on who you ask. You know, I'm asking the um, what, and and it, I mean, maybe even put it this: What world does people does the where white supremacy comes into the church, where white supremacy comes into the institution of religion, and how how does that impact things? I believe very strongly that the church should be on the forefront of this conversation. Why? <laughs> um, Tyler gave me a look when he asked, a look when he asked that question. He's probably gonna edit out me saying that. But um, no, I'll leave it in. I'll leave it in. The, I'm also very hard. I, I mean, clearly everybody should know this, but I'm I'm leaning hard in the devil's advocate in this. So I'm obviously trying to. I want to get stuff out of you. I I um I'm not a big pushy pushy Jesus Jesus guy. Um, and that's another podcast for another day. Um, but I am someone who still claims. We can make another one. I am someone who still mm. definitely claims um to follow the way of Jesus. Um. And I think two reasons why the church is, is responsible. One, because the church has been called by the book they claim matters and by the Savior they claim to follow to make the world just. The church has been called to do that. So that's the simple answer. The second reason why the church is responsible is because the church has been on the forefront of continuing white supremacy promoting white supremacy and benefiting from white supremacy and so the church has some things to answer for um and the church especially the white church has got to step up and i think if we saw and also the church is dying um and i think we look at like especially mainline denominations and other things they're dying and how great would it be if the revival that was brought out um was started by this idea of racial reconciliation. What if racial reconciliation was a thing that quote unquote saved the mainline denominations? Wouldn't that be justice? Like, wouldn't that be a brilliant thing to watch? And I think, um, and and when you think about mission and we think about um, how the church has sent imperialists and others into other countries to cultural appropriate, to kill, to steal, the, the, I was just reading, um, it was a fictional book, and it was awesome, um, and I'm blanking on the title right now. Sharon, you read it too. Homecoming? 
Homecoming. Um, home going. Home going. Home going. Excuse me. Homecoming is Beyonce. It's totally different. Yep. But home going. Also great. Also yeah, great. Also great. Beyonce yeah. is also Keep great. Keep watching Beyonce. Don't uh, don't forget the Queen. But um, <laughs> home going was brilliant, and I was reading it. It was about the. It loves to say it was in short. It's about the slave trade, um, fictionally, uh, historical fiction. But one of the things they talked about was in these the big castles in Ghana and the other coastal countries in Africa. Um, there were these castles that kept, they called them castles, they kept the slaves in like these really crappy, awful, dungy quarters. Um, but within 10 feet of those quarters were these, were churches, right? And the soldiers, the white soldiers, um, still were going to church every day or once a week or whatever church was. They had priests there. They had pastors there. Um, to say that the church is absolved of the transatlantic slave trade and of white supremacy is an asinine reality that's not close to being true and so yes the church needs to apologize for things like the way they've treated uh, homosexuals they need to apologize for the way they've treated women yes those things are true but today we're talking about racism they also need to apologize for the way they have contributed to and continued white supremacy um in this country and in the world and so the yes the church has to and the fact that so many and I don't mean the individuals in the church. And so since we're talking about systemic racism, I'm talking about the systems of the church. So that is the denomination. So that is the PCUSA. That is the United Methodist Church. Um, I'd love for a big evangelical church to step up and finally do something. I mean, we've got, I mean, those guys, Joel Osteen, and he's got all this power. Do something, man. Like, I mean, this is, this mm -hmm. is the, the, if you really love Jesus and you can really claim Jesus, you can't walk away from this. Well, and that's probably one of the biggest, like, one of the biggest problems for the church I think the church is getting better at acknowledging and um what was the second one accepting accepting first accepting no acknowledging and accepting acknowledging and accepting we're getting better at acknowledging getting pretty good at acknowledging getting a little better at accepting not good at all at abdicating mm -hmm. the church is is really terrible at abdicating i mean and one of the greatest examples of that is is even just women in the pulpit they the, in the pcsa we've been ordaining women since i mean for a very long time but the numbers of of, uh, of women pastors in the PCUSA is still dramatically small. Yeah. And it, most of them are associates. Yes. Very few of them get opportunities to Correct. be in the pulpit. And if they are, they're in small dying churches. They're not in the big steeple churches. And that's not because they're worse preachers. It's not because they're worse pastors. It's just because those opportunities aren't asked for. Most churches want a white man to be their pastor. White Jesus makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Uh, and even if you like slowly make him not white Jesus, but kind of keep it like if we replace white Jesus a little bit, but keep white Jesus up there, like anywhere, if you're, if you're just adding not white Jesus while keeping white Jesus up there, it's problematic. That's I, very problematic. And I, I mean, you know, you could go historically accurate Jesus, which would be cool, but I, I think it'd also be awesome to go like full on black Jesus, yeah. like full on Latinx Jesus, like do it. Like it's, and your your depiction of Jesus in your image, white people, has been for thousands of years. Yeah. So we can we should we're gonna get a couple depictions. There are uh, Chinese sketchings of, of Jesus yeah. in Chinese dress. There are and I bet ones. in Korean ones also. Yeah. yeah. Since the Korean church. And so and so, the so if you were gonna turn the image of white Jesus into like if you were desperate to keep those images of white Jesus in there, even <laughs> even then it'd still be it'd be better if they weren't there. But if you were to leave them in there, if you just put them in the context of a bunch of different uh, um, examples of, of cultural understandings of Jesus that would be more helpful. And I think that would be one cool step. I think a larger step would be to get rid of all of them. Oh, absolutely. And only have depictions of... And I would say, I mean, my argument is pretty simple. 
um, for thousands of years, it's been done this way. Let's do a, let's do a thousand more years of doing yeah. it. Yeah. Right? Like, right. Um, and it's the same with, you know, if you really want, that's why, that's why reparations to me is, is an interesting argument because what, what people are asking for in reparations is not, um, to get all of the wealth back, to no. steal everything from no. them. Yeah. Um, but it's just, to, and the goal is not to make white people poor. It is not. The goal is to. Um, the, there was, um, I was just reading, I don't remember what state it was and what city it was, but a city council just voted um, that they, now they're a state that has legalized marijuana and they're using all of the income from marijuana sales is going into a reparations place and they're, they're doing reparations in their city. Oh man. And people are saying that there's a possibility that this could set the groundwork for the entire country. This yeah. is, you know, this doesn't take money from yeah, anybody. Yeah, because it's found money. It's found money. Yeah. It's this idea and, of, and to put it in a, another example, uh, Germany gave a lot of money to the nation of Israel, mm-hmm. and Germany is still around and doing yeah. quite well. Doing quite well, yes. And so this is reparations is not something that will financially harm a country; it'll actually financially improve a country because it has the the best chance to. It's like a stimulus, like it, how the, the every so often we get a politician who gives a stimulus to people, which just in, in, infuses the goal is to infuse the um, the economy with money. That's what this is. I mean, you can view it however you want to view it in a way that it, it's not just giving free money to a people. And we're, and we're taking care of a people group on purpose. I mean, the big one that we know about for Obama was the bailout with the... Yes, um, we're doing reparations right now. Yes, and then it's what's happening, what Trump is doing now that no one seems to be talking about, yeah. was the fact that he's actually giving more money. There's a farmer's bill that is giving more money than the auto worker, than the auto bailout. More, but no one talks about it. I find that interesting. Yeah. That's a side note. Um, and why is it not being talked about? And that's because people see farmers as white middle America and that they're the average American. But really, it's Monsanto. It's giant corporations. That is getting those push, those, right. uh, those, yeah, those yeah. kickbacks. And in the giant corporations, the, the tax loopholes, yeah, that's effectively giving money to those corporations. We already do it. So, the, yeah, the yeah. question should not be, should we give reparations? The question should be how how should we give because we do give reparations because we, we do we give it to um, corporations and how can we do it for for the descendants of enslaved people um, and that's to me it's a no brainer it has to happen um, so that's the governmental side but then the the church side the church also needs to give maybe non monetary reparations and yeah. to figure that out and what that what that looks like and, and what even that providing means. voices for people of color within the church very white spaces yeah yes. Yeah. And not to belabor the point of the of the thing, but another example of, of actual reparations is farm subsidies. Yes, they are paying farmers to not grow plants. They are giving money that was lost by farmers by choosing not to grow plants, to grow crops, so that the the supply, the demand would go up because the supply is down. They are literally giving reparations <laughs> for a group that has had something taken away from them. Yes, it just happens on an annual basis. Yeah. We have we already give reparations. That. We yes. give reparations, just not to the groups that we don't want to have power. Yes, and so it's not a it's not an economically foreign idea. Correct. It's just something that we only apply to groups that we are okay with having power. And let's be clear: even some of the most progressive candidates that are running for prime that no are scared. I, I believe that. <coughs> Personally and individually, Bernie Sanders is actually in favor of reparations. But even he is afraid to come out in favor of reparations because he's worried about what that will do to certain people that would vote for him. That's a fear that is, yeah. you know, and that's an well, interesting also, place to be. I mean, and it's important to point out that there has been a campaign, uh, just a media campaign, over over the long, long, long time. 
I mean, probably the last 50 years, maybe even the last 150 years, like since the 14th Amendment, to make it clear that reparations is a terrible thing. Yes. And so it is burned into our culture, not only that repar- that uh, uh, white people are, are, that white supremacy is a thing, that uh, all these negative connotations, but also that reparations is not helpful and will only hurt people. So it, even if there was a candidate who came out and said, we want reparations, there, there have been decades of, um, uh, of a narrative set forth to tell us why this is the wrong thing to do. And why we should be afraid of it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Fear. It's always fear. Yeah. So as, as Christians, as, as people in the church, if, if you are someone like that, um, this is something that you should care about because this is... Uh, not just justice on a social level, but it is justice on a social level, but it's about loving your neighbor as yourself. If you have a privilege, there's no reason for your neighbor to not have that same privilege. And if you have a privilege, as we've been talking about, you didn't earn that, and that doesn't make you a bad person, but you now have the ability, you have the opportunity, you have the obligation to use the power that you have to empower other people. Jesus says, which then gets uh, Spider-Man's uncle says it to him, with much power comes much responsibility. That's from the Bible. Yeah, It's also from Uncle Ben. It is. And, uncle uh, Ben's great. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and it's true. And so the power that you have is privilege. Even if you are a poor person or a college student with no money or no voice or anything like that, just being an American gives you a certain level of privilege. You may not be the most privileged person in your community or the most privileged person even in your school, but you have an opportunity to do something and say something and to be something and to act on that, to empower people. So do that, because that's what Jesus is telling us to do. And even if you don't follow that, do that because that's what we should be doing. We should be caring for each other. Yep. So, First off, I want to ask, uh, we got a special guest star here just to tell us which, which, uh, we have a, the correct answer, the all-time correct answer for what concert would you go to if you could travel back in time and go to this concert? What is it? Beyonce Coachella. Oh, Beyonce Coachella. That's a great answer. Yeah, Jimmy, answer. Jimmy was there, that was, so he knows. That was, uh, Tay Bradford, my 13-year-old son. Tay Bradford knows about that. Jimmy wasn't there, but Jimmy can imagine what it was. I mean, I watched it live. He did watch it live. <laughs> You're better man than me. I also uh, watched it live. Oh. So, did, so did Tay. Oh yeah. my goodness. It's like you guys were there. It's, it's not like we were there. Our screen was not very large. Oh. Let's do that. I do I know. I, nope. I, I cast, cast it on the TV. Yeah, yeah I cast on the TV. 100%. I it was on the TV. But yeah. that's, that's a pretty great one. The nice thing about that is that we can all watch it on Netflix. And it's basically just like being there if we watch it live. <laughs> no, it's not like being there at all. So, uh, what, I mean, we'll bring that back up, I guess, is a good Twitter question, is what concert would you go to again? I think I, I have a good Twitter question. Yeah, go for it. I think um, if you are a, a white person, I would like, the Twitter question I have is, which of those four A's um, is the hardest one for you? Give us those A's again. The A's are <laughs> to accept, um, nope, I'm going to start over. The A's are to acknowledge, accept, abdicate power, and then advocate which one of those four do you believe is the hardest for you individually to do in regard to white supremacy and white privilege? I love it. Great. Every time you've said that, my initial part of my brain goes, but accept starts with an E. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different accept. It really is. There, there, there. So I've been Tyler. And I've been Jimmy. Oh, and I'm still Rob. 
Would you people keep it down? Oh, Jay is back. to oh, go to sorry sleep. We woke you up. Anyway, this has been Rubbing, Rubbing the, the Faster. Yay. Take care. Out. How are we going to sleep?